Cool. Hey, well, it's nice to be back here, eh? Um, it was for those that were able to make it out to Taitapu last week. We had a, um, a great barbecue, and we know the next couple of weeks there's a little bit of shifting as the venue's not available, so we appreciate um, those that um, were able to venture even further a little bit more, but it is great to be back here and, um, and to be with you guys. And if Hopefully you've caught up on the, the emails and the news and those sorts of things. If you haven't got an email from us, just a little plug, you might want to um, sign up to the church database or check your email address and those sorts of things at the church life station afterwards. But um, we've got a little bit of a little bit of news that um, in June, Dave and Joe Bennett are going to be the new campus pastors out here at Salwyn. It is exciting. It is very exciting. They are going to be a great fit for the next season forward for us as a campus and Ben and I are going to be heading um, back to Levita and then we'll be sort of across the three campuses as I take up more of a role in um, global and local mission, which is I'm super pumped about. Um, it is really cool. It is exciting what God is doing with us in a church. It's a little bit of a weird space to be at the, in the moment because I have people come up and they're like, we want to clap, but then we don't want it to be like, woohoo, she's going, but we're really excited for you. So, uh, you know, it's a bit of a mix of emotions. I think we can all kind of feel that's maybe some of you that are like, woohoo, like, see ya. <laughs> um, God bless you. Um, but no, in all seriousness, it is a bit strange. Ben and I talk about it because we've got the co-mission course running um, in at Levita on the Sunday nights, which God is just doing some incredible stuff at the moment. And it's funny because we come out here in the morning and people are like, oh, we're really sad you're leaving. And then we go into Levita, they're like, yay, we're really excited. And I'm like, Ben, there's just so many emotions, so many feelings at the moment. But it is, honestly, it's really, really exciting. And um, it was great having Dave and Joe out last week, and they shared a little bit of their story and their journey, so I encourage you, if you didn't hear the message and you don't know them particularly well, then um, jump onto the app or the website and have, uh, have a listen to that message, and um, you can get a little bit more of their journey. But this morning, um, well, last week, I read a benediction, and it was from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, and it said, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I thought it was fitting with you know, where we're at as a church and what we believe God is speaking to us at the moment. And um, you know, we really believe that stand is a word and season for us as a church. But I realized when I read that that I was like, man... Stand has been a message to the church from the very beginning of the church, right? Yeah, you know, we've got this, um, this, this letter that's written to the early church in Corinth. And if you know a little bit about it, or if you don't, I'll give you a little bit of an overview. But Paul started this church in Corinth because it was such a strategic place. It was a hive of trade and commerce and really was the convergence of where all of these different trades and people groups and um, businessmen and businesswomen and travelers and people would be um, culminating in this place. And they had started the church with a few believers and it had grown and it started well. But then a little into the journey, it was now having some massive issues with division, sex, food, their gatherings, and the resurrection. In the middle of this strategically positioned trading hub, 
that was a hive of life and people was a church that was meant to be positioned with an incredible opportunity to share the gospel with people as they came and went. But instead was this divided, dysfunctionally, morally compromised, confused mess. Exciting, eh? You know, I feel for poor Timothy, because he's the one that's carrying this letter and who Paul sends to try and help them sort it out. Does anyone else have a huge amount of compassion for Timothy right now? Like, who wants to walk into that and be the person to try and help them sort and figure it out? It was a mess. But Jesus, right? Aren't we thankful for the incredible hope that we have in Jesus and his power to redeem and restore? And the journey this church went on has provided a means to speak hope into every church ever since. They had some serious cleaning and mending of their nets to do. Am I right, friends? If you have joined us in the last year, this was a big part of our focus and journey and our language last year. And we realize it is vitally important to, uh, important to our ability to be able to create opportunities for people to hear about and follow Jesus. Cleaning and mending... Oops, sorry, sound guys. My bad. Um, cleaning and mending our nets, dealing with our stuff. So Paul starts walking with them through this journey of sorting things out of bringing truth and restoration to the circumstances and reminding them who God has called them to be and how he has done it and explaining why it is important to get it sorted and settled. Paul knew that people see our lives. They see how we treat each other and they see how the church handles things. And it's important that they see Jesus at work through us in all of it. I'm sure that he had many deep sighs and rolled eyes as he sorted through. But at no point does Paul lose hope that God can still be working in and through them, no matter how messy it is. These guys were meant to be living in community but instead we're taking each other to court and openly fighting with each other for everyone to see. Sleeping with women at the temples where their old gods were worshipped. At times they were being really selfish and self-righteous on who and what they would eat. And it was a real struggle for those who were trying to find Jesus in the midst of it. As Paul brings truth, wisdom, perspective and correction to them, As they try to get everything back on track, he speaks to them and says, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And then a few paragraphs later in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Why? Because Paul knew that the world will always be watching the church. People will always be looking at our lives and saying, Is it real? Is it true? 
I got given a book a few months ago that I've been reading and how the gospel originally spread throughout the Solomon Islands. And it's been absolutely fascinating. Poor Ben, every time he's like trying to go to sleep or trying to watch a show, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so good, oh my gosh, like you've got to listen to this. And he's very gracious and he's like, uh-huh, sure. Um, but I want to bless you guys with this as well and I want to read a small chapter to you. You can sympathize with my poor husband. Um, so it says, after studying, a believer would go back to his village, perhaps as a teacher, pastor, or he might be called to another area as an evangelist. To give him a start, fellow Christians might help him build a house in a tiny church and plant a food garden. Then he would simply live as a Christian in that place. And the local people would watch him and see him consistently refusing to follow the old ways, the tumbus, the rituals, the sacrifices to the akalos, the spirits, upon which they felt their lives depended. They would not dare let their worship of the old spirit powers and let go of their old spirit powers unless they could be sure that the God of the new way could offer them power and protection. Otherwise, the akalos would punish them. It might be 12 months before the first inquirer came, and often this would be a man with a terrible leg ulcers or some other sickness. His relatives would have sent him as a test case to see if the new way was powerful enough to counteract the anger of the Akalos. For Seth Momoa, not yet 20, the first year of his training was hard and lonely. He went to live away in the hills of Kuari, completely alone, and when the missionary came to see him after that first year, he said proudly, one person has just come a little while ago. There, living with him in his house, was this one man, sent down to him with a huge, appalling, smelly ulcer. Seth was caring for him, washing his sore, feeding him, ignoring the terrible stench of the ulcer, and telling him about a new master who truly loved him. The people around would observe Seth's care and faithfulness and patience, and they would see that the Christians had something different in their lives. And this is how the gospel was predominantly shared throughout the Solomon Islands. Isn't that remarkable? And it's true, I can totally see how it would happen. We have our Red Frogs teams, it's our university outreach ministry, and they go to the uni parties, and we have some of our, our young adults here that are involved with it, and you know, it's amazing, because often they'll be found in the places running the safe zones. And there's a place where if the um, student has either had too much to drink or is, is maybe high on something, will be taken into the space to be cared for under medical teams and, um, until there is a, a safe um, next step for them. And the frogs teams will patiently sit with them and hold their vomit bags and have conversations about maybe the breakup or what has gone on in their world. And, and more often than not, it's when they are sitting cleaning up vomit or catching it. Cheyenne's laughing because she's like, yep, this is it. You know, people will turn to them and say, man, I hope you're getting paid for this. And when they go, nah, we're volunteers. Sometimes they've even taken leave from their job to come and do this. And they go... Why? Why would you do this? Man, sometimes Jesus will make you do some funny things, right? You fall in love with him and you'll wonder. <laughs> but why wouldn't the church be there? Often when I was youth working in the local high school, I would find that young people would come and have a conversation 
And out of nowhere, they would just drop a bomb about what was going on in their world. It was a big, heavy conversation. You're like, whoa, where has this come from? But you go, okay, yep. But you realize that actually for months and months, they were watching you. They were seeing your conversations, seeing how you interacted, and working out if you were safe, if you were trustworthy, and often would have conversations going, man, I haven't told this to anyone before, and I don't even know why I'm telling you. But something within the Holy Spirit would resonate within them, and they didn't have words or language to explain it yet. But I think, how often do we have those conversations? It wasn't just youth work. I know there's many of you that have those conversations on a regular basis, right? Moments where people trust you with deep and personal things and they can't explain why. The world will always be watching the church on a global level in the media, but also on a personal level as we, the church, live out our faith. Do you know there's a guy in our church, and I love this, he shared it when he was getting baptized, whose journey with Jesus started because a guy at work always offered him the last chocolate biscuit. And he was like, what is with this guy? I would never do that. Carl shared a few weeks ago about the armor that you'll remember, the armor that we need to stand and represents the fight and the battle that we're in. But he also shared about the chair. See, standing isn't always easy, and I feel for that guy in the Solomon Islands who's there for 11 months, and now I would say that it's not great pastoral care, and we wouldn't advocate for that. But, you know, man, his commitment to sit in that place. I'm sure it was hard, and it was lonely. And so we need moments and times when we can sit in the chair, and that we can rest. It's not an either-or, it's a both-and. Both places are equally important because the chair also represents the place of authority, of sonship, the peace of being a child of God with the authority of Jesus. The church of Corinth was wrestling with issues around the resurrection Some were believing that it didn't even happen. And Paul responds, if there is no resurrection, there is no point to any of this. That's what changes everything. Only God can raise the dead. And the fact that Jesus was resurrected and seen and interacted with so many people showed that he truly was who he claimed to be. It was also the certainty that he had overcome death and now not even death could separate us from God. Jesus was who he claimed to be and nothing could now rob us of the hope and restoration both now and eternally that we could have through him. The resurrection changed everything. You know, this Easter, let's try and really intentionally Sit and rest and reflect in that space on what the resurrection means so that we might have confidence to then stand again in the spaces that God has called us to. You know, I only learned the other week 
that as we come to the time of Easter around the world, it is one of the most dangerous times of the year for believers globally. Does anyone else know that? Like, this was new information to me, right? So often I associate Easter with sleep, Friday and Monday off, awesome, long weekends. The teenagers, you guys are heading away to Easter camp and are pumped about that. Parents are like, woohoo, the teenagers are heading to Easter camp. You know, we'll head away, we'll get into the garden, we'll crank into those projects, we'll see those people. But how about this Easter? We make a decision now that we're really going to sit and intentionally take some time to reflect on the significance of what Jesus did. Read through the story again in the Gospels and go, how does this change things for me? Do you know that globally, 340 million Christians around the world this Easter will face potential persecution? In the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Easter services will often go for 35 minutes. Some of you are like, woohoo, I don't have to go to church for 35 minutes. But theirs is for fear that those who attend will be kidnapped or attacked if they go for longer. I had no idea. The world will always be watching the church. People will always be looking and saying, is it real? Is it true? As I was preparing for this, I had some worship music playing in the line, till that stone was moved for good because the lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who come to the, fathers are, to the Father are restored. The incredible hope that we have in Jesus. But it reminded me there are so many that have no concept of this. It reminded me of um, a day earlier this year, and Ben had gone back to work, and I was still on annual leave, and I, I noticed that he'd forgotten some of his lunch. It was a stinking hot day. I knew the job that he was working on was a bit rubbish, and he was way out of town, and so he wasn't going to have much of an opportunity to even get back into a shop or anything to grab lunch. So I was like, well, I've got some time today. I'll be a, be a good wife, and I'll head out and I'll take this out to him and I'll take the dog for a, a run down the river at the, you know, in the same afternoon. I arrived there and ironically Ben's like, no, I took some other stuff, so, but that's fine. I was like, oh well, yeah, I tried. Um, but we were sitting there on the, the job site and stuff and it was a, an old um, Christian camp that they were doing some work on and there was this glorious carpet mural across the wall explaining the gospel of Jesus, right, in picture form, like would have been the, the full width of this and probably the full height with all of these pictures depicting the gospel. And, um, and at one point there's a, there was a throne with a lamb on it with a crown. And Ben turns to the 17-year-old apprentice that's working with him and he's like, hey, what do you reckon that represents? And this poor dude, he looks up and he's like, um, I don't know, New Zealand is number one, like, number one for its lamb production? Lamb is king? <laughs> like legitimately, and like, wait, Ben and I laughed, and the poor dude's like, well, I don't know, like what, do you, like what conclusions do you draw? But I think it was a really, really great reminder that actually... That was all the context that he had. 
into how we lived our lives and what he saw of Jesus in the church and our lives was going to speak to him of what that lamb on the throne actually meant and become so, so incredibly important. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Team, would you come back up? So the cause that we are called to stand for is a remarkable one. And this Easter, as we reflect on the resurrection, the great hope that we have gives us incredible reason to stand. And there are people around your life that have no context, no hope, no understanding of what that lamb wearing a crown sitting on the throne truly represents, right? But they will see it in our lives. They will see how we live, how we treat each other, how we love each other, in the big things, in the little things, because the resurrection has changed us. It has shifted something. And it is what makes us deal with our stuff. It's what supernaturally unlocks and heals things. There's a reason why we have hope. Isn't that beautiful? How about you stand with me? And we're just going to sing. And I just encourage you, in this time, take a couple of moments. Even as you go into this week, there are going to be people around your world that are looking for the hope that you carry. So take this moment now and sit in the chair. You can sit back down in your physical seat if you need to. But reflect on who was this Jesus? What did his life represent? What did his death and resurrection truly mean for humanity? And how does that change your world? Father, we are thankful for Jesus. And Lord, we are all on a journey We will spend the rest of our lives learning more about you because, Lord, we will never fully understand it. But, Lord, we have so much hope in what we do know. And we continue to seek you and pray that you will reveal more of your kingdom to us. And, Lord, we pray that we will be available to be vessels of hope, to share the good news of what we have found in Jesus with those around us who are looking for it as well. In your awesome name, amen.